Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Well, welcome to another episode of the Catholic Connect Podcast and another beautiful day that the Lord has made. You know, we're now just exiting the Lenten season and does anyone else get the impression that the road to eternal life is getting just a little rocky and narrowing a shade? I pray you've made good on your Lenten sacrifices and are ready to keep the battle going as we need you on Team Jesus. You know what's exciting about being a Catholic and walking with Jesus and his bride, the church? There's very little gray area. And if you have a question on a subject, there's scripture and catechism and the teachings of the saints to take you out of that gray and back into black and white or right and wrong. Now, Tam Books is one of the best publishing companies in the Catholic Church, bar none. You want solid stuff that you can add to your personal, your arsenal of learning and have it at the ready to share with people. This is your publisher. I found this golden book here uh, written by Father William J. Cogan. It's called A Brief Catechism for Adults, a complete handbook on how to be a good Catholic. It's a very practical and blunt book that would put our church in much better shape if we got this in the hands of more Catholics. Uh, The author, Father William, has the book broken into short and dynamic sessions, 43 to be exact. And one of the lessons caught my attention, and it's one we could probably do two or three episodes on the array of topics that we could tackle, but let's zero in on why I'm so excited to be a Catholic, and that is this lesson's topic, The Qualities of the Catholic Church. Now, from what I can see, this book was written back in the early 1950s, but again, it just goes to show when you have a dynamic, truth-filled book, it uh, withstands the test of time. There's no question about that. So MLB season, Major League Baseball just started off, so let's kick off with a sports analogy and leading off like one Beau Bichette with the Blue Jays, we have St. Paul firing off the very first volley in this lesson by painting a picture of what unity in Jesus Christ looks like. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed back and forth, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the cunning of men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth, and upbuilds itself in love. That paints the picture of how to be on Team Jesus. You know, we all have a purpose in this life, and God said, Behold, I knew you before you were even born. Uh, Is anybody watching The Chosen right now? This is an outstanding 
uh, short series. Uh, I think the season one had eight episodes. Uh, season two just had eight episodes released here over Easter as we're recording this. And I'd, I'd ask you to please consider watching this and, and let me know what you think of Jonathan Rumi, the actor. Uh, he plays Jesus, and I think he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, I'd even compare him to the job that uh, Jim Caviezel did in The Passion of the Christ back in 2004. I think it's outstanding. You know, my favorite part of season one was how he called the apostles by name. Like, they were the only people in the world at that very moment. And you know what? That's what he's doing for you and for me as well. You know, I was meditating on this and all the ups and downs in my life. The times that I started following the massive crowd of this fleeting and foolish world, the wide path to destruction. And Jesus, he's in that crowd like the good shepherd looking for his lost sheep. Imagine him making eye contact with you, with the invitation, follow me. Jesus moves in this world through his bride, the Catholic Church. And maybe you haven't heard this in a while. Maybe you never have. But the Catholic Church needs you, wants you, and loves you. You have gifts that the Church needs to build up the body of Christ. Deep inside all of us, I think we know that. But sometimes it's good to be reminded of who you are who you belong to, and where you're going. You know, the problem we're facing is that our members, our our church members, are scattering. Our gifts being wasted away by the pleasures and interests of this fleeting world. A world that consumes and demands its citizens become more like the world, and that includes us Catholics as well. You know, we even have some Catholics that are so tied up with worldly pursuits that they try to make the church and Jesus fit into the confines of a perishing world. When in fact, we need to invite the world to become more like Jesus. You know, last year we had this crazy unfortunate event. It was actually at the end of 2019 in the Vatican called the Amazonian Synod. Church leadership may or may not have had the best intentions in getting this thing going. But once again, it was the pagan idol, the Pachamama, made an appearance. And once that happened, things went south very quickly. You know, outside this pagan idol appearing in the midst of our most holy basilica in the church, there was the story of this European missionary. I think he was from Spain. And uh, he was talking about his story of how he'd spent over 50 years in a South American country, uh, assimilating himself to the customs of the people, which are really rooted in shamanism and the occult. When someone asked him, how many people have you brought to the Lord and the church through baptism? He came back with the stunning reply that he had baptized no one. Imagine this guy representing the Catholic Church and wasting 50 years of his life in vocation where he's supposed to be winning souls for Christ and coming up so embarrassingly and utterly empty-handed. What a train wreck. You know, out of charity, it makes you wonder whether this guy actually had a true calling and it really makes us want to pray for his soul. So when he meets Jesus at the end, that he'll have good fruit to show for all the years that he spent laboring in the vineyard. I'd love to tell him to read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Also, one of Jesus' last instructions before he ascended into heaven was from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the close of the age. You know, notice Jesus didn't say to go make disciples of your parents or your siblings or your next door neighbor or 
the guy in your in your sports team, you know, he said to make disciples of all nations and all peoples, and, and that is so powerful. And here's what I would tell this missionary as well as a layperson. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, reference number 905, it says the following. Lay people also fulfill their prophetic mission by evangelization. That is the proclamation of Christ by word and the testimony of life. For lay people, this evangelization acquires a specific property and peculiar efficacy because it is accomplished within the ordinary circumstances of the world. Now it goes on to say the witness of life, however, is not the sole element of the apostolate. The true apostle is on the lookout for occasions of announcing Christ by word, either to unbelievers or the faithful. And the footnote says that this is from various decrees within the, from Vatican II. So, you know, we've heard the sports analogy that the best defense is a relentless offense. And really, that's why we need to spend time every day learning about our faith and reading the Bible, the catechism of the Catholic Church, and listening to great Catholic voices in our church so that you'll be ready to jump on the offense and start challenging people to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus has a ton of fans in this world. He really does, but he needs more followers. And I also say, don't, don't pray for the opportunity to evangelize. Pray for the grace to recognize the many opportunities that come up. You know, trust me, we're never short on opportunities to evangelize. The chances are always there, and there are so many for us each and every day. So let's get into this book and the lessons. It started out with that scripture verse from St. Paul to the Ephesians. And the first question asked is, what kind of church did Jesus wish to establish? The answer, it would be a church that would be universal, united and holy, one that could not teach error and that could not be destroyed. Next question is, which is the only church that has these qualities? Only the Catholic church is the answer. Next question, what does the word Catholic mean? I know I heard a lot of people say, when did that actually start coming about? Well, the meaning of the word Catholic is universal, and that means it's embracing everybody. So why is the Church of Jesus called Catholic? Well, there's four reasons. Number one, it's for all people. Number two, for all nations. Number three, of all times. And number four, it teaches the doctrine of Jesus Christ. So when was the name Catholic first used uh, for the Church of Jesus? Well, we can actually trace this back to the year 110 AD. St. Ignatius of Antioch, he wrote, quote, Where Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. And there's a great quote from St. Augustine here as well. It says, quote, The Church is called Catholic by all her enemies, as well as her own children. Heretics and schismatics can call the Church by no other name than Catholic, or they would not be understood unless they use the name by which the church is known to the whole world, end quote. And it's true. All of the enemies of Christ in our church cannot avoid proclaiming the fundamental truth of the universality of the Catholic Church by simply stating the name Catholic, whether they know it or not. The word universal or Catholic is very powerful. Is the Catholic Church spread all over the world is the next question. Well, the answer is yes, indeed. Uh, the number is well over 1 billion with a B in our flock that are baptized and are in every nation on earth of every race and color. You know, this could be a tackle on a whole separate podcast, but I always shake my head at the people who call the Catholic Church racist or somehow discriminatory towards people of different race or different backgrounds. You know, someone from the outside of the church uh, can just walk into any rank and file Catholic church, especially up here in Canada. 
And uh, you'll notice people from various backgrounds, various color, various countries that come in to church and celebrate mass. But as for me and my house, I never look at it that way. I look at it as everybody's got this, uh, this beautiful mark of baptism of the Holy Spirit on their soul. We're all citizens of heaven. That's where we belong to. And that's where we're going, you know, and if the, uh, the odd person that does have some sort of, uh, feelings of them being superior because of uh, the color of their skin or where they're from or their background. Well, that is called the sin of pride and that's one of the deadly sins. So if those feelings manifest themselves into some sort of an action, well, that's a mortal sin. That's one of the deadly sins is of pride and, uh, you need to go to confession and confess that. So that's the real problem in the world though. That's a sin problem and it's a problem in our church and the onus is on us Catholics to go to confession often to receive a worthy communion and to live a truly sacramental life if we wish to transform the world radically for Christ. Catholics living in a state of grace have a kinship that cannot be explained on human terms to the unbeliever. Indeed to the unbeliever, no explanation is possible. Our citizenship does not belong here. You know, there's a time when hundreds of priests from Canada would go to Africa and South America on missions to bring souls to Christ. And now today, you know, the church in Canada, we're limping along. But we have priests from India and in countries in Africa that are coming to evangelize us during this period of history. You know, the biggest problem we have in the church and in our world today is Marxism and all the rotten fruit that comes from ideologies that reject the divine nature of Jesus Christ and the mission of his bride, the Catholic Church. You know, we've done a lot of traveling over the years and, and really been blessed to go to Mexico, to Hawaii, um, to other parts of the United States, other parts of Canada. And it's always been an absolute joy to go to a Catholic church because you walk into the church, you don't know anybody there, but as soon as you walk in, you have a kinship. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that are baptized, that have that mark on their soul, that participate in the fullness of the church, and the sacraments of the church, and you feel like you know these people already. It's very hard to explain to someone who is not a Catholic, who doesn't belong to the Universal Church, but I'm telling you right now, it is one of the most beautiful and most powerful parts about being a Catholic. You belong to the body of Christ. You belong to a universal family. Next question, and it's an important one. What is meant by the unity of the Holy Catholic Church? This unity means that all Catholics worldwide believe, number one, they believe all the same things. Number two, obey the same laws. Number three, receive the same sacraments. Number four, they worship at the same holy sacrifice of the mass. And number five, last but not least, are united under the same authority, that of the Pope in Rome. In the words of our Lord Jesus from the Gospel of John, he says, quote, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may believe in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So even Jesus Christ, he desired and wanted one church, because that unity is the telltale sign of his true church that he had left behind after he resurrected and then ascended into heaven. So read scripture and catechism in tandem. You know, there are a lot of goofy voices on the fringes of our church. And the Holy Spirit will help you discern which voices are true and which voices are false. And, you know, there are people in the church that deny Pope Francis and several popes before him 
to the middle of the 21st century as not even legitimate popes. Uh, they're called Sedevacantists. There are also many alt-left members in the, of the fringes of the church that claim abortion is a legal right that should be accepted by Catholics and that marriage doesn't have to be between a man and a woman and also that it's okay to be divorced and remarried and receive communion. These are all grievous errors that you can toss in the garbage bin because they are longing for Jesus to be transformed to be like them instead of being transformed by the life of Christ and the life of his bride, the Catholic Church. Next question is, why is the Catholic Church holy? Well, it's holy because of the following. Its founder, Jesus Christ, is holy. You know, the church was not founded by, by a man or a woman, not by Martin Luther or Calvin or John Smith. The Catholic Church was founded by Jesus Christ. It teaches a holy doctrine, the church. It gives its members what is needed to live a holy life. Boy, that's an important one. What does it give its members? It gives its members life through the sacraments, through the hands of the priest. So we receive communion. We receive confession, penance, and absolution. We are baptized, of course. And even our marriages, that's such a beautiful, beautiful vocation to be called to. And of course, our priests and our nuns and our religious, the ones that dedicate their entire lives to God, you know, that, that witness to the world that there is something so much greater, so much greater than what we can see on this earth. It's that magnanimity, striving for spiritual greatness, striving for heaven. And lastly, why is the Catholic Church holy? Well, we have thousands of its members from every walk of life, from every race, and from every period of history have become saints. And I think that's so important that we recognize that we have got a history of holiness. You know, I think some Catholics are guilty of looking in the rearview mirror and at the amazing lives of all of our saints, you know, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Catherine of Siena, and even more recent saints like Padre Pio, John Paul II, Mother Teresa. And I think they think that this current generation can't produce holiness like that. But on the contrary, my friends, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again to you. Dream big again. Let's dream big again. Don't let the confines and limitations of a fleeting and foolish world make you think magnanimity is impossible. History will show us that the greatest saints who ever lived walked this world in the 21st century, and that saint could very well be you. Next question, why can't the church ever teach error? The answer is because Jesus Christ promised to be always with his church to protect it from error. Now back to, back to that scripture verse that we referred to a little bit earlier in verse 20. It says, Jesus tells his disciples to baptize all nations. And it says to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. The next question is, has the Catholic Church ever changed its teachings? Well, no. For over 2,000 years, the church has taught the same things that Jesus Christ has taught. St. Paul's letter to Timothy notes the church is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of truth. Next question, has anyone ever tried to destroy the church? Well, yes, indeed, many governments from the outside have tried without success to destroy the church, and thousands of Catholic martyrs have died for the true faith. My words now, apart from the lesson here itself from Father William, it's documented that Freemasonry has had a significant negative impact and influence on the church over the years. And we'd be remiss to think that communism and Marxism have not infiltrated our church in some way. That's why the attacks from the inside are worse than the ones from the outside. 
As I mentioned before, we have self-professed Catholics that believe in abortion on demand and the destruction of the traditional family. Now, this is a massive error, and we need to pray fervently for the conversion of these baptized Catholics in this life before they die, or they'll face the wrath of our Lord at judgment. Now, you might think things are looking bad right now, and you're not wrong, but the church has faced heretics throughout history and triumphantly decimated error each and every time. You know, an example of this is the great Arian heresy of the 4th century. That's when a priest named Arius falsely proclaimed that Jesus Christ was not divine and thus denied the Trinity. This error progressed to the point that almost three quarters of the church was accepting and supported this heresy. But it was the great Saint Athanasius who courageously preached and persuaded the church to reject the error. So we're going to tackle this period in church's history some other time, but the point is the church has faced trials and tribulations before. This is an example of how error was pushed, but was soundly defeated. And until I brought this up, you know, it was completely forgotten by history. There's a second part of this outstanding lesson by Father William that deserves a separate podcast, so I'll talk about it another time. It has to do with false slogans. And again, people taking up catchy one-liners like all religions are good or all religions are equal. And uh, that's simply not what Jesus taught and certainly not what the Catholic Church has taught. So I ask you this question, what side of history do you want to be on? Forgotten or remembered? The legacy of faith endures and will endure until the end of time. That's why passing the faith along to our children and grandchildren is of utmost importance. Remember the great shrines and basilicas of our church took decades and even centuries to build. Most of the architects and skilled laborers who started and worked on the projects their entire lives never lived to see the result of their labors, but they persevered through knowing the gift of themselves and their talents of the day would be a gift to the church of the future. You know, as a gift to people they would never meet on earth, but their hope in the resurrection of Jesus took them to the future where they would hope to meet these people in heaven, the thousands that they inspired on earth, to that which is holy, beautiful, and eternal. Well, thanks for listening to the Catholic Connect podcast, everyone. Again, a reminder, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Please reach out to me anytime. I love hearing your feedback and love hearing uh, hearing from you and your comments and having discussions with you. It's, uh, it's outstanding. I love sharing my faith, and I love hearing from you as well, you sharing your faith with me. You know, if you're not a Catholic, I invite you to consider joining our ranks. Have you ever been invited? You know, consider yourself invited, and you are welcomed. If you're a Catholic and you've been away from the church for a while, I'm inviting you right now, right today, this day, to come back to confession and join Team Jesus once again. Join us. Join our ranks again. And for all the confusion and hatred and heresy in the world, well, I have a message for this world. We the church are coming for you with charity and love, and we're bringing someone with us who is a whole lot bigger than this foolishness, this fleeting foolishness of this world. And he is Jesus Christ who canceled your sins on Calvary, and continues to do so in our church every day, every single second of the day when the Mass is celebrated. And remember, my Catholic friends, in order to absolutely burn with the love of Jesus Christ, you need to go to confession at least three times a year, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin. Do not even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you very soon.